Welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show while you're at it at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating, leave a comment, or review, all that good stuff. Uh, it's all always helpful. Uh, being joined today by Heart of Lad from the Pension Plan Puppets. Heart of How's it going, buddy? How you feeling after finally getting to watch our beloved Leafs play hockey against an actual NHL team for the first time since March? Uh, it was pretty good. Um, it, it was a long time coming, uh, four and a half months. But, yeah, we're back in it. I'm starting to feel like we're, you know, a little bit back into our regular schedule again because we have hockey in the evening and it feels it feels nice it feels nice yeah like I I just I don't know about you but all day I was kind of I didn't I didn't realize that I would be so excited for it like I guess I I kind of assumed that I would be ready to go but I just for some reason when they finally dropped the puck and and I and I got to watch you know the game I didn't get to watch a game this afternoon so this was the first hockey that I had seen in months and I just felt like I don't know I had this overwhelming like sense of joy that that it's back and you know I think it's just because we didn't know if we were going to see it at all and we finally do and I was always of the belief like I'll believe it when I see it for hockey returning this season and we finally saw it so like I now believe that this season is actually happening it's here it it just happened and the Leafs able to win the exhibition game uh, four to two against the Montreal Canadiens. So that's what we're going to get into right now. And then a little bit later, I'm going to get your thoughts on uh, what's going on. Because uh, after th- this game's over, essentially. So we're going to recap this one and then move on a little bit and kind of preview and see what your thoughts are against them going up into this series against Columbus for the for the opener. But uh, let's just talk about this game against Montreal. What are some overall observations that you made about tonight? Um. Overall observations, uh, I was really happy with um, Alex Kerfoot. Two goals in this game. Looked great. I, I was – when it comes to third-line centers, uh, one of the things that you kind of always hope for is that they can penalty kill. Mm-hmm. And we never got that with Kerfoot. He was on the second power play, but he never penalty killed. And Leafs kind of just had to rely on a bunch of wingers to do the job. And they never were able to do anything on face-offs on the penalty kill, which is – Pretty much the only area, like special teams, is about the only area where faceoffs really matter. Otherwise, it's mostly 50-50, and it doesn't really end up being anything meaningful. But on, on special teams, you know, you can kill a whole penalty by winning a couple faceoffs. So it was really, really amazing to see him on the penalty kill, which we haven't seen before. Uh, even in the uh, practices, we didn't see him on the penalty kill, I don't think, or at least it wasn't reported. Uh, so seeing him out there was a really big plus for me. And then he scored two goals. So, you know, right off the bat, that's, that's pretty good return right now. Yeah. for your third line center uh, two goals I, I, in the game yeah I totally agree and uh, I, I thought that seeing Kerfoot on the power play was telling for a couple of things you know I, I think that that may kind of signal that they are leaning towards Nick Robertson because that would mean that Pierre Engvall would not be available to kill penalties and if that's the case they had to kind of put somebody else there to try and help kill penalties so they they're kind of toying with the idea of Kerfoot and I think that it paid off tonight and you know that kind of leads me to my next question for you what were your first observations on Nick Robertson getting his first taste of NHL action tonight yeah the kid's pretty good like he he's got some skills he's a little raw right now which you you have to expect an 18 year old. Um, I thought he played really great. I thought he has a lot of really good speed. 
his connections with Ka- with Kapanen were really, really good. Like they both can move at the same speed and connect with each other really well, especially heading from uh, the neutral zone into the offensive zone. So I really, really liked watching them play together. Uh, his first shift, I think, or his first shift on the power play wasn't great. Like he kind of just hung around on the side and then took a shot that you probably score in junior, but you definitely don't score in the NHL. But, you know, got that out of the system. Played great the rest of the game. I think he should be solid for that for that third line, at least to start. Maybe his game falls off a little bit and isn't able to kind of keep up with a with a, another step in when it comes to the playoffs. But you know what? I'm pretty happy. He's he looks like a promising young player, and and at and at 18 years old, uh, this the sky's the limit for him at the moment. Like I'm I'm really happy with Robertson. Yeah, and for sure, like, Pete, you got to remember, too, and put it into perspective, like, he was a second-round pick this season. It is not very often that we see second-round picks make an impact in their draft year. And just the fact that I think uh, Kyle Dubas, you know, he said it before, that he really kind of kicked himself in the butt uh, midway through the season when he realized how good Robertson was and that he didn't give him a fair look in training camp and ended up being one of the first rounds of cuts and didn't even get a preseason game in. So tonight was legitimately the first action that we got to watch of him against men, of him against NHL players. And I thought that, once again, just like you said, I thought that he was great. He ended up getting an assist uh, as well on uh, on Kerfoot's second goal there when he fired it over to Riley and tipped in front uh, by Kerfoot. And I, I just – he didn't do anything today to that suggests that he can't hack it in the NHL. And for me, I, I just think in the biggest debate that I think is going to come out of this game tonight is whether or not he did enough to solidify his role on the third line. Because if you look at the practice lines over last week, that's really where he's been. And Engvall's been pushed down to the fourth and has been kind of interchanging with Goche as the fourth line center. Do you expect on Sunday that we see uh, Pierre Engvall in that left wing spot? on Sunday or do you think that Nick Robertson has done enough to win that job? I think he fits with this third line more than Engvall does. I think they have speed. I think they're going to get a lot of off- offensive opportunities. They played a lot with um, Morgan Riley and Cody Cece. So you get Riley, who's a really dynamic offensive player. So you get him to play with you and there, there's a lot of opportunity for offense there. I think he's a better fit right now than Engvall is. Engvall probably, I feel like Engvall will end up, on the on the fourth line playing center with uh, Spezza and Clifford, uh, he and Gauthier only had a handful of minutes at five on five, but Engvall kind of uh, passed him. Or yeah, Gauthier actually had more uh, minutes uh, in total. So I don't really know what's happening. Maybe Go- maybe Engvall's lost his lost his spot. But uh, it was really down to him and Gauthier to be the fourth line center at this moment. And I don't know if Keith gives Engvall the the first game, but it's definitely not nothing's really set in stone at the moment like they didn't play very much at all either either uh either fourth line center option I guess no and 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 for me though to be quite honest with you I mean it's it was so long since we've watched hockey but Pierre Engvall you know he came out with with uh so much tenacity and so much spark 
when he first got into the league, his first like month or so in the NHL. And I know you were a huge Pierre Engvall fan and you were so excited to see him get a shot. But then about the last month, month and a half or so, when he ended up moving from the wing to center ice, you know, there was a, a pretty noticeable decline in his play. And I don't know if that was just because he was a little overwhelmed moving from the wing to the center ice position where there's just a little, it's a little bit different and there's a little bit more responsibility, but you know, there was a noticeable downward trend in his game as the season kind of wore on when that, when that shift occurred, which makes me kind of think like maybe, um, and, and by watching tonight, I actually personally liked Gauthier's game more than did Engvall. I didn't think that Engvall was really noticeable at all where I thought Gauthier at least played the body a little bit. He, he, uh, he showed a little bit more, uh, spunk, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, and I just personally think that Engvall has has slid all the way out of this lineup. And really, especially when they ended up picking up Kyle Clifford, now I just I, I don't think that, you know, having another big body is as necessary uh, for the Leafs. And they would just be better suited having, you know, a natural center in Gauthier and then having a guy like Nick Robertson who fits with that third line. And, and for me, I believe that that is kind of how I would set things up for, for game one on Sunday. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but that's just what, what I think Keith should end up doing. What he does, nobody will know. But I just feel like that's kind of the way that the roster shakes up right now. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like Gochi has done a little bit more in this game to merit the fourth-line center job maybe at this point. The thing with Engvall is that um, he has the ability to score. Like at a at a decent rate, he was the top scorer for the Marlies last season. He did it all on the third line. He didn't get any power play time. It was all penalty kill in five on five. He he can score. He's a really good scorer. He also had a, during those playoffs like a two percent shooting percentage. Like sometimes he just goes completely dead. Sometimes with his line mates like Timoshov and uh, I forgot who was on his left wing, but those three they didn't score at all in the playoffs on the third line. I think he just goes on these really big swings of getting hot and doing a lot and kind of getting quiet and maybe just being a defensive player who can't really do much for you offensively. And so at the end of the day, he, at his worst, he kind of looks a lot like Gauthier. And at his best, he can uh, fight for a third-line spot. So I think in general, looking at them on the whole, um, Engvall and Gauthier, I'd rather have Engvall than Gauthier because you have some, uh, some upside and you have a spark that you could use. Uh, they both kind of, they're both pretty tough. They, there's not much in it, but I think Engvall has a higher ceiling at some points, even though he's, you know, they're both 25 years old, I think, at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know, but at this point right now, uh, you need guys who are performing right now, and if Engvall's you know, doing that, you kind of have to sit him. You kind of have to give him a, a reset and be like, hey, look, watch for a bit, practice, get your game back, and then maybe when you come back in a lineup later, and uh, if there's injuries or something, you can score a couple of goals and get high and then you can be your regular self. Cause I think it's a lot, a lot has to do with confidence. And I, I'm really what, like, I'm hopeful with Goche, but if he doesn't perform now and he didn't perform since January onward, it's kind of tough to uh, uh, lobby for him at all. If that makes sense. 
That's fair. And and I think, you know, I, I don't think either of these guys are expected to be game breakers anyways. And it's it's probably mm-hmm. not something that we should have spent the the, the first 10 minutes of the podcast discussing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so that being said, you know, the, the big boys also played tonight. So I guess let's kind of move on and talk about uh, what we saw up front from from the big boys. Uh, right off the bat, 33 seconds in, Ilya Mikheyev, first game back since the new year, uh, scoring a nice tic-tac-toe play. Marner, Tavares, to Mikheyev into the back of the net. Uh, nothing made me happier and more excited when I saw that play happen. Um, and I couldn't be more excited for Mikheyev and, and, and his return. And I truly do believe that he's going to be a dark horse player all season long. Uh, or all playoffs long. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on on that opening play and that line in general? I love how when you started to talk about the big boys, he went first to Ilya Mikheyev. <laughs> kind of was like, that tells you that, you know, he might have another step in him and he might, you know, he's I really he's do think so. being there. Yeah, I really I, do think so. I like this yeah. player a lot. I think he's a diamond in the rough find for the Maple Leafs mm-hmm. and he's 100% a top six player and he just fits so perfectly with that line and I'm really excited to see you know what they'll be able to do if they can end up making a big long run I believe it's because a guy like Mikheyev steps up and gives them that type of secondary scoring that's needed for a team kind of like that unsung hero type guy uh, who who you always kind of steps up you always kind of assume you know the easy pick for an unsung hero might be Zach Hyman I'm picking Ilya Mikheyev. If this time, you know, two months from now, the Leafs are still in the playoffs, I think it's because Mikheyev had a strong two months uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, honestly, Mikheyev and Hyman are very similar in terms of what they're providing to the Leafs right now. Like, it gives you two genuinely top lines, right? Like, it gives you two first lines that you can play right next to each other, back to back, one off each other, uh, which, you know, when you had different wingers, playing with whoever it was, it it wasn't as good as it could be. It was kind of like Tavares and Nylander or Tavares and Marner kind of trying to carry the line as much as they could. And then whoever else was there was just kind of there and there wasn't much very much going on. But now you have two first lines who can who can tick off as much as you want and go go crazy. They didn't very much in this game. Uh, Tavares uh, to Mikhail was like kind of the only scoring they yeah. had of, among the top four of the top of the top um of the top six, but Tavares had a couple of opportunities, but just yeah, they had chances. Yeah, uh, Tavares, Matthews, Nylander, they all had really good chances, uh, which I was really happy to see. But you know, none of them went in the net. Hopefully, they could do that when uh, when they start playing Columbus. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not worried about them. It's one game and it's an exhibition game. It honestly didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so so although they were a little bit quiet on the score sheet tonight and and they didn't light it up like maybe some people were expecting after such a, you know, hearing about how strong the the uh, the phase three was for all these guys. You know, I'm not too banged up at the fact that you know Tavares, Nylander, or or uh, Matthews didn't score a goal tonight. I still think mm-hmm. that. Uh, the Leafs are, are in pretty good shape going forward. Um, another pretty, I would say, positive sign was Freddie Anderson didn't look too bad today. There was a lot of discussion heading into today's game and heading into the playoffs in general about what type of Anderson are we going to see? Are we going to see Freddie from October, you know, after a long layoff where it takes him a month to get into the season, to get into a groove? Or are we going to see steady Freddie from November to about February every year where he plays like a top 10 goalie? 
And I thought that we actually saw pretty good Anderson tonight. What was your thoughts on his game today? Um, well, he stopped 28 of 30, which is good for a 933 save percentage. So, you know what? I'm happy. Uh, I thought he played great. Um, he had a couple of rebounds where they were a little big, um, which I was, you know, not great about. But I think the Leafs at the moment were kind of taking their foot off the gas. It was in the third period. They were taking their foot off the gas, and they didn't look good at all. Um, but, you know, they, they kept it back on near the end and kind of solidified themselves. Reminded me a lot of the Marlies because what the Marlies usually do is that they find a way to get a lead some about 10 minutes into the game and then shut it down, like shut the entire game down. That was Keith's, like, that was what Keith was known for in the AHL, being able to just shut down the offense in the last 10 minutes of the game. And if you can do that with the Leafs, that they're, they're, they're about as good as you can hope for because uh, way back when in 2017 when they were giving up leads all the time, it, was, it wasn't the best, uh, best time. So uh, yeah, for Ed Anderson, he looked solid. Like he didn't look like he was like running around too much in his net. He looked tall. He looked kind of steady, steady Freddie. I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. He looked great to me. Yeah. So I think that, you know, a lot of people were kind of holding their breath coming into today and just hoping they didn't get lit up and, and that wouldn't shake his confidence and that he would just have a good game and kind of now everyone could kind of exhale and be like, okay, okay. So it looks like Freddie is in much better shape. Uh, and Freddie is, is, is in a better mindset uh, than maybe we initially thought he might be, just, just based on the fact that he just takes him a while to get into the swing of things every single season. They end up showing a graphic about you know, his October starts and how his goals against is always uh, up in the threes, mid threes, and then the rest of the season they're always in the mid two. So there's just such a large contrast from – you know, October Freddie and the rest of the season Freddie and the fact that there was so much time in between last time he played, it's almost like a full off season, right? So it's just, everybody was always kind of just wondering what type of Anderson we're going to see. And I think today he kind of silenced some critics a little bit and said, look, I got us. I got this. We're going on a run. Yeah. I got it guys. I'll put you all <laughs> on my back. We're going on a big run. I want to play some hockey into, uh, into September and October. So I think, um, yeah, I think Freddie played extremely well tonight as well. And uh, let's get into – let's shift gears a little bit and let's get into our, kind of our three stars and talk about uh, – we do it – if, if y'all are new to the program, so after every single game, and it's been four months since we've been able to do this, so uh, every, every single win we do the good, the better, and the best. So it's kind of like our first, second, and third star. Um, and you can pick anything, a player, a play, uh, a special teams unit, uh, anything, you know, and you can use that as you're good, you're better, you're best. So we are going to do that, and we're going to do that right after I tell you all about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com com right now and see all the parts you're that are available for your car or your truck and write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box let them know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low pricing all the parts a car will ever need visit rockauto.com 
All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside Heart of Lad of the Pension Plant Puppets. Maple Leafs coming fresh off a 4-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens in an exhibition tune-up before we start the, uh, the opening round of the playoffs. Uh, so let's go through this game and let's go with our good, our betters, and our best. So we'll start with the good. What was good for you in this game? Um, we'll say, I'll say it again, Alex Kerfoot. I thought he was great. Um, he played a really good complimentary part between uh, Robertson and Kapanen. He was on the penalty kill, scored two goals. He was all around the net. He was looking really solid. He looks like he's in midseason form relative to everyone else kind of right now. Uh, I thought some other lines kind of needed to get, you know, their motor running, I guess, to take a point from the, from the commercial. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like Kerfoot. Like, he had two shots in this game, two goals. You know, uh, I think if you, the Leafs have a really good third line, if they have a third line that they know they can score, they can play some lighter minutes, that can penalty kill, and can play special teams, they should be more than happy. So Alex Kerfoot, he's the first guy I'm going to think about. Um, so I had him as my better, so he was my second star for much of the same reasons you said. I think he was one of the more uh-huh. uh, electric players out there on the on the ice. And the fact that we got to see him in the in the penalty kill as well, um, I thought was 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 really nice to see. So he's kind of rounding out his game, proving that he could be a little bit of a, a, a jack of all trades type guy for the Maple Leafs. Um, but for me, for my good end, Morgan Riley, uh, a goal and two assists uh, from the back end. I thought Morgan Riley had himself a, a pretty good game, and this is a player who I was excited to watch today. Earlier the week or, or last week, I did a three players that I'm looking forward to watching uh, in this game and one of them was Riley and that was mainly because I wanted to see if he was fully healthy after being off for four months I get that he got he came back after missing some time but I think as everybody knows he definitely wasn't a hundred percent when he returned to the ice much like most players aren't and it usually takes an offseason to end up healing most of your injuries fully and that's what he finally got here with this four-month layoff due to COVID so I was excited to see what Morgan Riley could end up doing and when he came out and scored a goal and two assists tonight 3.9 and, and, and the goal that he scored was uh, a beautiful goal where he just kind of jumped up into the rush uh, on the penalty kill and ended up uh, scoring off of a off of his own, uh, was his own rebound I believe so um, Morgan Riley I thought that he had a really good game so I had him as my better uh, or as my good Kerfoot was my better who was your better um, my better I would say um I will give it to the Muzzin Hall pairing. I think they did really, really well tonight. They played second line, uh, second line competition. Uh, Riley and CC played against top lines. Uh, they were really good. They were strong in their possession numbers. They didn't stand out to me really at all defensively. They got the job done offensively. I know Hall took a penalty here and there, but if they can be a good second pair, if they can play fifty percent or better, like they like the first like the first pair does. I can be really happy with that. They were listed on the, as the first pair uh, in uh, warm-ups and during you know, like practices and stuff recently. But um, watching the game uh, and looking at the data later, uh, Riley CC was the first pair technically because they played uh, the Deneau line. But uh, Muzzin and Hall went up against the Duran line. They played them 50%. They did great. I'm really happy with the Muzzin and Hall line. They were my uh, better for this game. And Muzzin absolutely annihilated. <laughs> Just came in like a freight train and hello, boom. 
that was just a huge hit and it was just like a oh, hockey is back type moment in this game and uh, just really uh, got me a little more excited uh, just to, to see Muzzin come out even in a game that really means nothing and put his body on the line like that I was really excited to see that too um, okay so Muzzin and Hall as your better moving on to the best for me it, it's got to be the least penalty kill I thought that the penalty kill ah, I stole mine fantastic i mean well how could it not be right six for six on the penalty kill they scored two shorthanded goals not one but two and uh, i thought that also kasperi kapanen especially strong on the penalty kill which is something that i think is is really going to benefit this team like kapanen isn't a player who needs to be keeping up with the joneses he can't be a nylander marner type player which i think there was kind of some loftier expectations maybe even that he was putting on himself but certainly that leafs nation was putting on him just because he kind of grew up in the era with these guys um, to expect that he was going to kind of be that top six player with them and try and contribute more offensively. But over the last couple of months um, before the season came to an end, he kind of really started to find his role as scrappy cappy. And, and he's utilizing his speed and he's really finding a role in the NHL and on this team more specifically. And I thought tonight that he was once again exceptional, um, really with his speed created that that goal that, uh, allowed Kerfoot to score two coming in and then getting a shot off and Kerfoot following it up with it with a quick um, bang up over the, the shoulder of Carey Price so you know Kapanen I thought especially was strong on the power play Kerfoot also uh, really good uh, Hyman always always a beast when he's killing penalties uh, going 110 percent so the penalty kill easily easily the best uh, the best unit out there for the Leafs tonight I do get a little bit worried the fact that they did take six penalties and that's something that's going to need to be toned down a little bit going forward. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think six is a lot. Um, kind of typical though. The least always get called, but they never get any penalties. <laughs> yeah. You weren't too um, happy with the CC one, huh? Yeah. I didn't think it was a penalty. Honestly, he didn't, Dino didn't have the puck. CC lifted his stick. That was not, that wasn't a penalty to me. I, I don't think they needed the penalty, but they got a shorthanded goal out of it, so I'm, yeah, I, I can't really complain that much. Cause, the hockey gods, uh, some awesome. hockey gods yep. at its finest. Evened it up. Yeah. So uh, for me, for my for my best, I, I, I'll i just take captain from you. Um, you mentioned him on the penalty kill, but at 5-on-5, five five, throughout the entire game, he was incredible. Like, he was confident. He was fast. He had the puck on his stick. He was moving it around the ice. He had, a, he had 75% of the shot share. So. 12 and a half shot, uh, 12 shots for four against, right? That's amazing. That's really, really good numbers when he was on the ice. During the season, he was awful. He was below 50%. That the whole that his whole line, the third line, really struggled to to ma- maintain possession and be a positive shot share team. But now in this game, at least just for a one game sample, he played eight and a half minutes at five on five. He looked really good. Penalty kill, five on five. If he can be a guy who can drive offense in his own way, he doesn't need to be a transition player where he moves the puck from the defensive zone to the offensive zone and kind of sends a pass and opens up lanes. He's the guy who will just go straight in one direction, get into the offensive zone, stop up, make a play, make a shot, you know, make the goalie move, make the defense rush. If he can do that, and he looks like he did, especially in this game, he will be a really, really, really important player for this team, especially to this third line that we really need to get going because if the top two lines aren't scoring, they need to be scoring. So, Kapanen. Kapanen's my guy. Which is all more the reason to put Nick Robertson 
a goal scorer (laughs) on the third line. (laughs) Uh, All right. Fantastic. So that's the good, the better and the best. Uh, Okay. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll chat about the series against Columbus and kind of do a little mini preview and get Harder's thoughts on that. So we'll be right back and we'll get to that. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano with you alongside Heart of Lad from the Pension Plan Puppets. Um, so we can officially put this Canadians game in the books because honestly, it didn't matter. <laughs> it just made us feel good to know that the Leafs came out and won and put smiles on everyone's faces for being able to watch the Leafs play some, some semi-meaningful hockey uh, and calm our nerves a little bit heading into the playoffs. Um, but, but come Sunday... Uh, these games matter and it's game one against Columbus. We've already kind of discussed, you know, the whole Nick Robertson thing, whether or not he should be on the team. So I guess we don't need to get into that, but you know, in, in general, I think Columbus is going to be a little bit of a tougher matchup than, uh, than it's being perceived to be. Like I just look at these two teams and they, they're pretty opposite when it comes down to it. Right. Like you got Columbus, who's a pretty structured, heavy, uh, well-coached defensive team. And the Leafs are quite opposite. They're a run gun, full offensive, full force uh, plays with speed. They'll try and, and open the game up and, and get, you know, open up the ice and just try and score as many goals or score more goals than, than, uh, than the other team. And I think it's just going to be come down to it. You know, it's the playoffs. There's not a lot of space. And we know that John Tortorella has a knack for getting his team to buy in. You look at what happened last season with Tortorella's Blue Jackets when they went out and they swept the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do you have any fears in the Columbus Blue Jackets against this series against uh, the, the Maple Leafs? Do you have any fears going into it? I did at first when it was announced that we played Columbus because of the Tampa Bay Lightning factor from last season. Um, like the Lightning are last season were similar, like a, like a super Leafs in a way. Uh, so it did worry me that, hey, we're playing a same, similar style again and they're going to come up against us again. But, you know, as um, us at PVP, Pension Plan Puppets, we did our articles and we broke down Columbus um, in all their different aspects. Uh, they're not as strong as they were last year. They took a big hit. Uh, Artemi Panarin's a heart contender and he was on their team last year. He's in New York, obviously, now. Um, they MVP, lost the a bunch of their uh, un- uh, their um, rentals and Matt Duchesne, Ryan Dezingle, uh, Sergey Bobrovsky. Like they they took a massive hit offensively, and as a result, their power play is really really bad. Like their power play doesn't score at all. They're they're going with, terrible. They're going yeah. with two defensemen on their power play. Going old yeah. school. I wouldn't expect anything else from John Tortorella. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's there's not much evidence to, to suggest that it'll change very much because. Right now, Columbus's power play takes a lot of shots from distance. They don't take shots from, you know, the middle of the ice, from the wings, or from in front. They, most of the shots are coming from the perimeter. And if the Leafs can keep them at the perimeter and just let them take those shots, I'm happy with that. And that kind of takes away a whole aspect of the Leafs game where they don't need to, they, they don't need to worry about giving up uh, power play goals against. Uh, if their penalty kill can keep it solid, which they did in this game against Montreal, who's a similarly bad power play team, uh, they should be. They should be good. They should be more than uh, capable of handling at least the power play and at least the offense from Columbus, which was a big aspect in in their win against Tampa. Like they scored a lot of goals coming off the power play, you know, with the momentum 
and all on the power play. So when it comes to what Columbus used to beat the, uh, the Lightning, uh, they don't really have that anymore. They don't have a Hart Trophy contender. They don't have a Vesna winner at the back end uh, in net. So generally, after, like over the last couple of weeks when we've been doing these articles, I've actually been a lot less worried about Columbus than I was before going in because we really? didn't really know what they were about. And now we kind of have an idea of this is what they were good at before. This is what they're good at now. And it's, it's things that the Leafs can, can manage. They're going to come out and spank Boston on Thursday, and then it's going to put the <laughs> life right back into you. You know what's going to happen now. You're coming out with puffing your chest, being like, oh, no problem, no sweat. And then they're going to go out, and they're going to beat Boston 5-2. And you're going to be like, oh, maybe <laughs> I should give them a little more credit than, uh, than I've been giving I think, them a little bit. But, yeah, I, I, I think I have some cautious optimism. Right. I, I'm, not, I'm not just, like, throwing them away, saying this will be a three-game series or anything. I, I – I'm optimistic, but I'm still cautious because there is a chance that, you know, Columbus can find a way sometimes to just steal all the momentum from your series, be you when you least expect it, and then it's over and you barely knew what happened. There is a chance for that, but knowing where the Leafs are good, knowing where, the, uh, where Columbus is weak, there is a chance because the, the Leafs have a really good power play. They didn't really do anything with it in this game. Uh, I thought Mitch Marner was a little flat. Uh, he tried to do the Mitch thing a couple times and it didn't work. They just covered up all the passes and he tried to shoot and it just went into Price's chest. Um, they need to find something new there. Uh, but at five on five, I think the Leafs have everything they need to kind of to, to, to beat Columbus, genuinely speaking. But, you know, still, still a little cautious. Yeah, on paper, on paper should be an open shut case. And even if the Leafs do end up winning this thing in, in three or four games, I still think it'll be really, really tight games. It'll be, you know, 4-3, mm-hmm. 3-2, maybe a couple overtimes tossed in, uh, in there. I, I just I, – I have a hard time believing because I'm also a big fan of, of their young goaltender. We talked about, you know, Shesterkin's uh, up and coming for, for New York. I also think that Elvis Merzlikens uh, is, is going to be an absolute phenom in this league. You take a look at an eight-game sample that he had earlier this season back in February five shutouts within eight games like this is a this is a guy who who in his first year in the NHL it 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 may have taken him a a couple of months to to figure it out just because he came over from Europe but he's figured it out and I think that Merzlikens is going to be a tough task for uh for these Leafs players to to try and uh to try and beat but you know I think the Leafs have one of the most potent offenses in the league uh, they were, they're, you know, up there leading scores in the league. Um, Austin Matthews, a goal away from tying Ovechkin and Pasternak for the rocket Richard this year. <laughs> I, I really do believe that it's going to be a good, a really good series. Like I'm just excited for it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The only thing, and, and this kind of going off of the Merzlikens thing is the fact that I believe that coaching and goaltending are going to play big factors because they're a short five game series. And, you know, one bad goal that, you know, one bad goal or, or, or a coaching gaffe, or, you know, you don't have your players, you know, the, their mindset, right. And you there's not a lot of room for error. Does the fact that Sheldon Keefe, a rookie head coach in the NHL, yet to coach in a playoff game, going up against like a guy like Tortorella, who not only has won multiple multiple playoff games, but has also won a Stanley Cup and also made another uh, run to a Stanley Cup, do you think that that plays a little bit into this uh, into this series, or do you feel pretty confident that at the end of the day, the best players on the ice are, are wearing white and blue? Uh, and they got a maple leaf on their chest, and, and that's going to end up 
basically solving this series at the end of the day. Yeah, to a few of those things. Well, I think it's quite funny because Tortorella won his cup with uh, Sheldon Keith on his uh, roster yeah. during the season. The, he was a player for him when they won the cup in, in Tampa. Tampa. Uh, so there's been a lot of time since he's won a, a Stanley Cup. Uh, on Sheldon Keith, um, he doesn't have NHL playoff experience, but he's won a Calder Cup. He's gone to the third round last season. He's won a lot of playoff rounds in the AHL. He knows what he's, what he's doing. He knows how to win a series. He knows how to beat a really, really competitive team. He did it multiple, multiple times. He's beaten the Cleveland uh, Monsters, who are the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, uh, AHL team. I think, I'm not worried about Sheldon Keefe. I'm not worried about him going up against uh, a guy like Tortorella. I think he knows how to handle him. I think he knows how to keep his players from going too far, getting into a game where you know, you're hitting back and forth and you forget how to play defense or you forget how to play offense and suddenly the puck is in your net. I, I think he knows how to handle his players. I think he knows how to shut a game down. He knows, he knows how to settle his players so that they can go out and shut a game down. The one thing I'm not worried about is Sheldon Keefe because I think he has been, like, he's been preparing for this for four and a half months, right? Like, he knows his, he knows his team. He knows he's, he's focused on his um, – he's figured out his, his tactics in four years, uh, I think, or more in the, in the AHL. He's been in the playoffs every single year down there. I, I, I'm not worried about Keith at all. Um, when it comes to the goaltending, uh, with Anderson and Campbell there as a duo, uh, Anderson's obviously your starter. I don't think for the least goaltending is going to lose them this series. There is a chance that, as you talked about Merzlikens, I think there's a chance that Columbus's goaltender wins them this series. You know, if the Leafs' offense goes flat completely, he's able to stop everything, then, then there is a big problem there. But I don't think with – with Columbus's offense and with the way Anderson's been playing and his caliber and with uh, Campbell behind him, I don't think there's a chance that the Leafs lose a series on goaltending. I, I don't think they just fall apart. I, I find that unlikely, but I'm worried about Merzlikens. I'm worried about their goaltending taking them over the edge and, uh, and becoming a bit of a, a joker card. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, if, if I'm confident in any coach, I'm confident in Sheldon Keefe. I covered him for three years. I know him. And I know how he handles himself in tough situations, in stressful situations, when everything's on the line, when, you know, in the AHL, you're, you're one move away from promotion or demotion, right? Like, there's a lot on the line. There's, there, he, he's never been without pressure. So, for Sheldon Keefe, I'm, I'm confident in his abilities. I think he'll be able to go toe-to-toe with Tortorella. Uh, I, I, yeah. You have somewhat persuaded me into uh into being a little more <laughs> calm when it comes to it because I was a little worried just because of the you know the green and the rawness and don't get me wrong I I, I do fully understand the fact that Sheldon Keefe has a lot of success as a head coach in in the AHL and, and in the junior ranks but the NHL is just a whole nother beast the the Stanley Cup playoffs is just a different animal and you know there is still a little uh a little bit to that where I think that Tortorella has the upper hand uh, in coaching. Right. But no one's really been in the situation before with four and a half months off between uh, your regular season. And That's playoffs. true. That's true. We've never done this. We've never done. I don't think Tortorella has any magical sauce because he has 15 <laughs> years or whatever of experience. I, I think I don't, I don't see there's much of an advantage with him there. Like you need to be able to be quick. You need to be able to change your lineup. You need to be able to have options. I think Keith has them. I, I don't know about Torres, but I know Keith has it. So even if Torres has it, I know Keith 
has it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not worried. I don't think Tortorella winning a cup 15 years ago matters very much right now or 16 years ago. Last question I got for you before we wrap this thing up. We talked about uh, the forward lines quite a bit, and and I think we've kind of solidified, you know, what we think the forward line should look like, or at least, you know, two of the three spots, I guess, are up for grabs. And, you know, that mix is pretty well solidified. On the back end, however, uh, tonight they went with Riley and and CeCe, and I just – I still don't like that pairing. I just am not a fan of Cody CeCe at all. Um, do you expect for that to be the pairing come Sunday? And if you were Coach Keith, would you try something different? I don't think they have anything much better. I don't think Riley Dermott's a decent pair. I don't think Riley um, Barry's a decent pair. I think when it comes to these two, um, they're going to be in the defensive zone a lot. They're going to be playing with the bottom six most of the time. And you're just going to hope they come out 50-50 every night. And I think they will. I think Riley has, you know, the puck-moving ability. You don't need to give that to CeCe. I think as a pair, they can uh, mostly handle themselves in the defensive zone. Uh, They give up some pretty bad chances. But looking at their numbers, they were above 50%. They were 58% in expected goals in this game. Uh, they were about 50% in shot share. They were, uh, they were minus two in, in shot share. So Yeah, but I I, still... I, I don't know. I think I, I don't hate Cody Cece as much as most people do. Uh, I, I, I really don't. I, I don't know. Like I, It's hard because none of the options are good. So you're not going to be comparing Cece and Riley to a good pair. You're compa- comparing them to other mediocre pairs. So on the whole, if you're looking for a team that'll play top uh, top line competition and pay, uh, play with your bottom six and, you know, maybe come out ahead or come out 50-50 at least so that your top players can go up against some weaker competition and, and beat up on them, I think that's a, I think that's a deal I'll take. And if, if Riley CC is your best combination for that, I, I'd do it. I would do it. I don't mind that. Like, and also, CC he had a better goal differential than, uh, than Barry this year. Not many people know that. He had a better goal differential. Oh, so, geez. you know, <laughs> everything Barry does, he gives up uh, back on the back end and more. CeCe uh, doesn't give you much offensively, but he doesn't – genuinely doesn't give up as much as he, uh, as he uh, scores offensively. So, you know what? I'll, I'm taking it. It's just so many gaffes. So many gaffes. I don't know. I know, know. I know but they're going to do it, and every pair is going to do it. Yeah, uh, I guess Dermot, you're right. Dermot Barry were awful in this game. They were awful. Barry was terrible in this game. He had an awful night. He was giving up so many pucks. Dermot looked like looked like the defensive conscious on that, that pair. So you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. They, they all suck. Let's just let's just let uh, Riley CC try because they're the most competent defensively of the four options that you can come up with. All right, all know. right, all right. <laughs> well, we'll leave it right there, I guess. Uh, and just hope that you know Riley. Or hope that CC or or Barry don't cost this team the playoffs. Um, yeah, because that would just suck. That <laughs> would be awful. Um, all right, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for their way out of those problems. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck and follow Hardiv at Hardiv Lad on Twitter as well. Hardiv, thanks so much for coming on and uh, and chatting today. Uh, I know I enjoyed watching Leafs get back to hockey. I'm sure you enjoyed it as well. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was fun. 
we'll uh, we'll definitely have to get you on again once the playoffs get going, uh, which is now mere days away. Sunday, puck drop for game one between the Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Speaking of the Blue Jackets, Aaron Port's line of The Athletic will be joining me on the podcast, I believe, uh, tomorrow or Friday. Uh, so... Uh, be sure to check in for that one later in the week. If you want to hear some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.